This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Focus podcast. I am your host G Sampal. There has been extreme civil strife in Manipur for nearly 3 months. two major ethnic groups the valley dwelling maithis and the hill dwelling kukis seem to have completely lost even the bare minimum of mutual trust essential to coexist peacefully the barbaric sexual assault of kuki zomi women on may 4 a viral video of which emerged recently brought to national consciousness the depth scale and toxicity of the violence in manipur while the state government has so far failed to ensure basic law and order The larger question remains is the problem purely one of law and order any longer can peace be restored without addressing the underlying ethnic tensions the controversial internet ban too seems to be from the law and order playbook is it helping or is it making things worse and what has been the fallout of this conflict in neighboring states we explore all these questions in this episode of in focus and we have with us rahul karmakar the hindus northeast correspondent rahul thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me to so rahul uh, to start with i was just wondering if you can give us some background i mean is there any past history of ethnic violence in manipur where there have been such instances as we've seen now of women being assaulted and paraded naked etc as part of a bid to target a particular community well uh, manipur has a history of ethnic conflicts since the kuki uprising against the british during 1917 to 1919 with well, this eventually veered into some kind of an ethnic conflict with uh, the kabui and the tangkul nagas you know so women in in almost all these conflicts since then women have suffered rapes and other forms of sexual abuse Uh, and it, and this was also true in cases be, even between the kukis and the ethnically related paites for 16 months in uh, in 1997 and 1998 but there are no videographic records of women having been paraded naked before the may 4 incident a fallout of the ongoing conflict between the kukis and the maitis right so this is a, a more uh, barbaric this is more of a barbaric extreme uh, compared to what uh, we have seen even in the past you know with this kind of uh-huh. a videography uh, maybe uh, uh, yes yes and uh, maybe because uh, of the digital age yeah and digital age and also there were th- 1000 people i mean onlookers participants or whatever we want to call them i mean that yes absolutely it's horrific yeah speak a lot about the kind of uh, extreme polarization Uh, which seems mm-hmm. taken place now this has been going on for about 3 months uh, you are there in the no- northeast like what is your sense in terms of whatever effort to restore law and order and normalcy and if there are such efforts what are they are they succeeding i mean for example are the displaced uh, returning to their villages yet so can you just take us through what the current unfolding scenario is uh-huh see the reaction from the central uh, government uh, to manipur's newest crisis is uh, seen to have been delayed but you know the armed forces actually moved in as soon as the violence broke out on may 3 may 3 in fact from the night itself uh, the new has later on in a few days assigned former ch- 
CRPF Chief Kuldeep Singh as the security advisor to the CM, Mr. N. Biden Singh. And, you know, and also some perceived tra political troubleshooters, such as our Assam CM, Himanta Bishwa Sharma, were also sent to the state to help end the violence. But these efforts have not had any visible impact. Although the armed forces have been destroying bunkers of the warring groups over the past few days, because they have been, uh, you know, the battle is between, uh, you know, presumably between armed for armed groups of both the communities, which uh, which are calling themselves the village defense parties. Anyway, um, but, the, but there has also been another factor: the army and the paramilitary Assam Rifles for, you know, forces. They have been reluctant to go all out without the shield of the Armed Forces Special Powers Act uh, that was removed from many parts of Manipur, particularly in the Imphal Valley. So the, uh, the warring communities are also viewing the security forces as partisan. If the cookies are, you know, see the May Manipur police as pro-Maitei, the Maitis look at the army and the Assam rifles as pro-cookie. So ironically, uh, the women who have been the worst sufferers in the ongoing violence are seen as creating hurdles before the security forces, blocking the paths of convoys and preventing the security personnel from going on to, into certain areas for conducting raids. So uh, this uh, this has had a huge impact. And as far as, uh, you know, whether the affected people will be able to return home, because I, it's very unlikely that they, they will be able to do it in a, in, a, in a short time. Because, you know, conflicts in Manipur have invariably been very long because one warring community tends to close ranks and shut the other out. And interdependence uh, dictated by economic and geographical factors because you first have to understand the geography of Manipur. The Imphal Valley is a, comprises only 10% of the land, land mass and it is surrounded by and is the center of the state and is surrounded by the hills where the tribe, tribal people live. So, uh, you know, because of the geographic and economic factors, the interdependence of the communities, you know, find, eventually make them coexisting, coexist uh, after a certain period of time. But uh, as Mizoram CM Zoram Danga has said, Now the wound is really deep. It's very difficult to heal this with a painkiller. It needs a thorough investigation. The wounds are too deep to heal with the Kukizomi people driven out of the Meitei-dominated Imphal Valley and the Meitei is made to vacate the hills inhabited by the Kukizomi people. The displaced, they are numbering about 60,000, are unlikely to return to the villages and homes anytime soon. It may take years also, primarily because of the illegal immigrant tag on the cookies, much like the Bangladeshi tag for the Bengal origin Muslims in Assam. There's another uh, factor that uh, that also at play. You know, the cookies are being projected as poppy cultivators and drug dealers, you know, mostly. And this has uh, uh, this has had a serious impact on the other, uh, you know, on perceptions because Manipur is one of the worst states hit by drug addiction. But even as we speak, what I, why I say that, uh, you know, this, the, you know, it'll, it may take years for the people to go back to their respective places, is that even as we speak, there are reports of that a cookie mob has set fire to some 30 abandoned houses of Meitis in More, town bordering Myanmar today. Right. That is uh, really disturbing uh, to hear indeed. I mean, and what you just said about uh, even 
the primary tool, uh, so to speak, of the government to restore uh, normalcy and law and order, so to speak. Uh, the security forces, you said, you know, even they are being perceived as a party of either this side or the other side. Money that, absolutely, uh, yes. Being associated with the Maitis by the cookies and the central forces with the tribal. So that is disturbing. And also this, the second uh, point you made, which really struck me, was women being seen as herders uh, in the conflict, right? And that's not really, uh, I'm assuming, going to help in ensuring their safety uh, in this ongoing strife as well. Now, you spoke earlier about how uh, this uh, conflict has been sort of, it's been happening with armed groups on either side. So in this context, I wanted to ask you, we, we know that police armories have been looted uh, on a very big scale in Imphal. This is never, this kind of armory looting, we never saw even at the peak of militancy in Kashmir or Punjab, but here it's happened. And I mean, how did this happen? Like how much of arms were looted? How many of them have been returned so far? I mean, any idea about these, mm -hmm. these questions? Yes, see, uh, unlike, I'm not aware of Kashmir or Punjab, but... Uh, it's it's uh, you know looting of arms in Manipur uh, is not new because there have been instances in the pa past. You may be aware aware of uh, Operation Bluebird. This was an offensive against some uh, Naga villages uh, in Oinam area of Manipur. That uh, that was in 1987. This was in retaliation to the NSCN you know killing nine Assam rifle soldiers and looting arms from an outpost. These arms were never recovered. You know. But this this time, the looting of arms uh, from the police establishments has been on an unprecedented scale. So, according to officials, uh, you know, more than four thousand firearms were looted, and about one thousand seven hundred returned or retrieved so far. The government has also appealed to the they have uh, you know in uh, in order not to identify people, so they have offered to uh, them uh, some drop boxes they can drop. Yeah, that were looted weapons in, but very few are have come. But the, you know, the excuse of these people, most of the people are that you know they are fighting against uh, uh, armed armed groups of the cookies. Uh, so because presumably, since most of the police stations are uh, in the Imphal Valley, the presumably the Metis groups have looted all the firearms. So their excuse is that uh, you know they are battling uh, armed uh, groups with uh, sophisticated weapons, so they need these weapons to defend themselves. Right. So uh, if, if, as you said, around more than four thousand firearms have been looted, and one thousand seven hundred approximately have been returned or retrieved. That means more than two thousand of them are still out there, still out, out there, to yes. be used. Right, and that's not uh, a very good uh, news indeed. Uh, now. What about the neighboring states? When we know yesterday uh, there was a huge protest in Mizoram where uh, thousands of people turned up in solidarity with the Zo people. They also were protesting against the uh, the violence in Manipur. The state minister has given a strong statement uh, also. So can you talk a little bit about the fallout of this conflict in neighboring states? And this, I mean, we know that uh, uh, Maitis have been moving out of Mizoram. Uh, as well. So how is this, uh, the displacement aspect and the violence aspect, if it's going to like, if it's likely to spread, how is it playing out in the neighboring states? Because these tribal populations are uh, contiguous across state boundaries. Yes. Well, uh, most of the states are concerned, but then uh, only to, uh, Mizoram is more concerned and to some extent Assam is, because Assam, particularly the southern part of Assam, where you have a 
sizable number of Metis people living there. It's not unusual for the Mizoram CM, who represents the Mizo community, you know, which is ethnically related to the Kukis of Manipur and the Chins of Myanmar, to speak up. Particularly because some 12,000 Kukizomi people displaced from Manipur have taken refuge in his state. He has also been speaking up for the Chins displaced from Myanmar and Bangladesh taking center, shelter in Mizoram. The outrage over the viral video, because, see, uh, even Mizoram or even the Maitis of Assam, they were pretty quiet for almost three months uh, until this video, viral video came up. So the outrage over this viral video uh, sparked some mass anger in Mizoram with a couple of organizations asking some you know, 2,000 Maitis in the state to leave. Some people left before the government stepped in because they are uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, the government machinery and the police uh, increase uh, vigilance and, uh, you know, uh, try to restore, uh, instill faith in the people not to move out. And uh, Maitis, uh, on, the, on the other hand, the Maitis in southern Assam, which... Um, Mizoram is dependent on for communication and inflow of essentials, have countered by asking the Mizos to quit from there. But these are unlikely to snowball into major conflicts, as the feeling that the Manipur conflict has gone on for too long is creeping in. So, this, speaking of this viral uh, video, Raul, when we know that the incident happened on May 4th, uh, but the video emerged uh, fairly recently, uh, and one of the reasons, in fact, the, possibly the main reason is that there was an internet ban in the state, uh, which has been like, uh, there are two views about it. One, of course, uh, it's sort of aimed at uh, scorching uh, any kind of false uh, news, fake news, or you know, violence spreading. But at the same time, by uh, not enabling people to find out, go online and find out for themselves what is going on, it is also giving fewer false rumors to spread. So what has been the effect of the internet ban? Yesterday, of course, I mean, apparently there was some loosening of uh, of this ban. So, but it, a lot of people are skeptical in terms of how it really uh, will help because I think you don't have mobile internet still. Mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about this internet ban? Yes, uh, the broadband, as you know, uh, as you said, you know, the broadband services were restored uh, yesterday after 83 days of ban with uh, a lot of riders and this includes you know periodic checking also on what how it is being used so uh, but uh, the thing is you know one of the reasons uh, cited for uh, easing the ban was that it affected education banking sector business jobs of people who were working from home and all other citizen centric online services but uh, as you know a majority of the people can have access to such services only when the ban on mobile data services is lifted because very few people have uh, broadband connections and mostly uh, they are in Imphal because of poor connectivity in other parts of the state. So uh, as far as the, uh, you know, whether uh, this ban has helped or enabled rumors, has helped the authorities or enabled rumors is, uh, is debatable as, as of now because, uh, um, because, you know, the June 4 incident, uh, was sparked by a fake video passing off a Delhi rape and murder case as having been perpetrated by the cookies on a Maitai woman. The May 4 incident. Uh, the May 4 incident. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, May 4, because it was sparked by a fake video. So it was, you know, some uh, it, you know, a rape and murder victim was shown, but which which was uh, which was pertaining to Delhi, and it was uh, you know shown as uh, it was some people use this as. You know, being as uh, you know, 
being perpetrated by the cookies on the Métis women. So this happened around the time when the internet ban came into effect. Because at that time, it was the, at the time of the cusp, you know, the internet was still on and then it was suddenly imposed the ban. So this happened at that time, probably giving time for some manipulative people to do the job. So the ban certainly has delayed the inevitable. The nationwide uh, you know, and global outrage over the naked parading of the two quickie women more than two months uh, after the in incident happened on Moe 4. So this has had an impact up because to some extent. Right. I mean, on the one hand, uh, there is this internet ban uh, which delayed uh, the knowledge of this incident from coming uh, into the mainstream uh, completely. For over two months, and on the other hand, there is also the question which is being raised by uh, opposition parties in parliament about the response of the state to this kind of uh, violence. Now, if we look at what the Manipur chief minister has been saying uh, regarding this particular assault uh, of Kizomi women on May fourth, first he said that there were hundreds of such cases, and then later on he did a flip flop and he said there was only one such case. Uh, so, how do we understand these kind of conflicting statements? Did the state know about it at all, or he did not have any idea? Because the policemen who were there on that day, as we know, they were they would have filed a report, obviously. So, it's it's difficult to assume that the state was unaware uh, till the video came into the public knowledge. Huh. The government was aware because uh, the Cookie Students Organization had uh, filed a complaint, you know, a few days after the incident had happened, but the, it was registered after a month. So the government and the and presumably the chief minister also knew uh, about a lot of cases being registered. But then I think it was a it was a pretty casual statement he made initially. But and he realized the seriousness later and went on the damage control mode. That's it about it. I, as of now, because um, I have known the CM for a long time, so he sometimes is quite incoherent. Okay. 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 Now, uh, coming to another uh, uh, side of this entire uh, issue, uh, Rahul, we have the Nagas also in Manipur who are a significant uh, proportion of the tribal population. Uh, are they taking any kind of a position on this conflict between Cookies and the Metis? Uh, have they said anything? Uh, like, what has been their uh, position or role in this entire scenario? So, the Nagas are the second largest group after the Maitis. So, uh, they have more or less distanced themselves from the conflict. You know, but some groups and politicians have offered to broker peace. So, uh, basically, they don't. They are waiting and watching. They are, don't want to be part of that conflict because uh, maybe there are historical factors, maybe there are other political factors, maybe the... Uh, the peace process with the NSCN, you know, most of whose cadres are from Manipur, is also at play. But the, uh, you might be aware that a few days ago, the United Naga Council, if, uh, the apex body of 20 Naga communities in Manipur, issued a warning to both the Kukis and Maitis not to drag them into their conflict by targeting Nagas living close to the warring communities. There have been a couple of cases. What uh, in, you know, in terms of... Uh, War or conflicts are called uh, collateral damage. There are two. One woman got killed and another was attacked um, in a case of mistaken identity. So the Nagas have also objected to the Manipur government's proposal to set up prefabricated relief camps in Naga-inhabited districts such as Ukrul. So basically they want uh, themselves out of this conflict. They don't want to be a part of it and they, they don't want to, you know, 
be seen as being involved. Right. So the Nagas uh, are distancing themselves uh, from this conflict. But at the same time, they are also showing their concerns. Uh, they are also, you know, uh, some uh, the leaders uh, are also trying to broker peace. So there is no such thing like, I don't know what to, what word to use, maybe some kind of a pan-tribal solidarity or something like that uh, among the hill people. No, no, not so much. I think the, the solidarity aspect came only after this video came out. Mostly the what has happened to these women. Otherwise, uh, most of the people were pretty quiet when this was going on. Right, right. So, uh, you spoke briefly about uh, efforts at a peace process uh, earlier. I mean, not a peace process, so to say, but efforts to restore normalcy. But even if we, there were attempts to restore normalcy through the law and order route, there also has to be efforts to address the underlying tensions, I would imagine. So, is there anything by way of a peace talk, or peace process, or talks, say, among civil society organizations from uh, among the Maitis, Cookies, uh, the government, is there anything, any action, anything unfolding that you see in recent days? Actually, what we get to, well, the feeling that we get is that, so, you know, the divide is pretty wide. So, so it's very difficult to fill the gap. So, there are, have been calls for peace within and outside Manipur, including the state government, which is viewed by the Cookies as partial towards the Maitis and thus not to be trusted. The civil society organizations of, of the two communities have not been as forthcoming primarily because of the demand for a separate administration for the cookies, which the Maitis see as a challenge to the territorial integrity of Manipur. You know, given that interventions from Delhi and other northeastern states have not yielded any results so far, the two communities, I think, will have to find a way of resolving their differences. At the end of the day, I think they have to help, help themselves. Uh, others, you know who are not very uh, you know attuned to the critical situation or the nuances of all these um, ethnic problems i think they i don't think they, can, they will be able to do much unless they do it themselves right i, I have to find a way you, of yeah i forgot to ask you one uh, side question so to speak which i had on my mind i mean i read some reports in sections of the media that when the armory in imphal was looted uh, the looters had left behind their Aadhaar cards. I mean, is, is that a credible uh, report? I mean, did that really happen? Ah, there, there. I think in some cases it happened. They like, why would you leave the Aadhaar card behind? Are you like trying to say that okay, this is who I am, and you can do can't do anything to me, kind of a thing, or is it like I am looting this? Don't go and catch someone else. Like, what is the logic? What is the is it like a symbolic statement? You are a looter, and you are leaving your Aadhaar card behind. Why would you do that? <laughs> Maybe, uh, I think there are various, uh, there can be various reasons for that. So maybe, um, you know, the people looting and the people uh, who looted, uh, they know each other, uh, you know, <laughs> or maybe, you know, the people who have looted, they have conveyed that they're doing it for uh, the community's cause and would uh, eventually return when things uh, cool down. So there are a whole lot of explanations. I'm not very sure why they do it. Okay, that's an interesting, uh, I don't know, very, uh, mm -hmm. not, not a happy, uh, happy. Yes, 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 but yes actually. Interesting thing. Right, one last uh, word from you, Rahul. You said earlier that ultimately it's up to the two uh, communities to sort of uh, resolve this. 
but uh, the responsibility as things stand lies with the union government it's a double engine government so uh, like do you see uh, any kind of uh, any kind of signal coming through in terms of how the center is approaching it is it looking at it purely as a law and order issue or is there a recognition that it is much deeper there are people who have spoken of uh, you know uh, like something approaching civil war kind of a scenario so from the center's point of view, like what do you see unfolding? Like what steps do you think they could take? What I see is because uh, it is much more than a law and order problem. So there are so many factors coming in. You know, there is the issue of uh, yeah. so-called illegal migration from uh, Myanmar, as the Maitis say. And, uh, you know, and then uh, there is also the aspect of drugs and poppy cultivation and for encroachment of forests so and then um, the the one disturbing point is that you know no no most of the parties political parties uh, are looking at it as a political game you know for example the, when the bjp uh, when the congress talks about it the bjp says it's they're playing a political game they're trying to gain mileage out of it even the congress or the other parties are you know, taking it on political lines, you know. So I think that that's where the problem lies. So if it is, if they deal it as a law and order and an ethnic problem, I think they should, they can do it. The government and the people together can do it. Right. I think uh, those are wise words. I think hopefully there will be some kind of political will and capacity to take this on and resolve this at the earliest and hopefully normalcy will be restored sometime. Uh, not too long into the future. Thank you so much, Rahul, for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.